Hello and welcome to the China Gaming Federation podcast. My name is Charlie and I'm joined here by Austin, who's recording from overseas in China. What's going on? What up? Just hanging out in a completely different time zone. That's right. 12-hour difference. Today we are recording a podcast, which we're very excited to record, which might be belated to some. We're talking about the game Hades, which was considered by many to be the best game of 2020. And we were a little late to this game. It launched in September of 2020, or I should say it exited early access in September of 2020 after a year and a half in early access. And I think both of us were very excited to play this game because we're big fans of roguelites and kind of big fans of Supergiant Games, who's the developer of this game. And I think... Well, I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of Supergiant. Actually, I've never played any of their games to completion until this. I haven't either, actually. This is the first Supergiant game I've played to completion, but I really love what I've played of Bastion. Cool. And so... Uh, I like the art style and stuff, though, of all their games. They have incredible aesthetic from the get-go. They really seem to hit it out of the park with all their games. Everyone raves about their games. And it's a really small company. I think they only have 20 employees or something. Yeah, something like that. A couple dozen employees. I know they're based in San Francisco. It's quite amazing. I know that I said this in the CGF group in our discussion, but it's crazy that a company of just less than 50 people can make what is considered by so many people to be the best game of the year when they're competing against like Naughty Dog and like gigantic developers with hundreds of people. Amazing to see such innovation and ingenuity and just excellence come out of such a small developer. Yeah, it really is. Uh, they are quite pedigreed, though, I believe. I think it uh, it was founded over 10 years ago by a couple of guys that were involved with Command & Conquer. Yeah, quite cool. It reminds me a little bit of FTL, where we had two developers, I think, who worked for Electronic Arts in Shanghai and then left that company and started, uh, it's called Subset Games, I think. They made Into the Breach yeah. and FTL and... Um, they left the sort of corporate, you know, soulless monster to pursue their passion project and it turned into a much loved game. Kind of a similar thing here. I know these guys, two co-founders of the company, worked in San Francisco for Electronic Arts on the Command & Conquer series, like you said, which at that point, I think in the company was founded in 2009, if I'm not mistaken, and Command & Conquer was like well past its glory days at that point. I mean, by the time Westwood was acquired by EA, it was like spiritually dead, I'd say. So pretty cool to see such a, you know, prosperous company emerge out of the ashes of such a, you know, slaughtered um, franchise like Command & Conquer. Yeah, it really is. You know, and uh, I mean, it... It's cool to see them seem to hit it out of the park with each game. I mean, their first game was Bastion, which, like, received critical acclaim. You know, it's got universal praise. And pretty much all of their games, with the exception, I think, of Pyre being just absolutely celebrated, you know. Yeah. Uh, Pyre, Pyre, still people speak highly of it just not in in the same way that they speak you know 
about the other games. Yeah, so. it, Hades is definitely the apex of their achievements in the gaming industry, although they were definitely moving quick out of the gate with Bastion. They also made Transistor. That was a much-loved game. And like you say, I think Pyre was the one which had the least enthusiastic reception. Not to say that it was poorly reviewed, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, like, pretty much every game you're releasing is, you know, just getting praised and you have one game that is still being reviewed well, you know, and people seem to enjoy it, then that seems pretty successful to me, you know. Yeah, totally. I don't think... Well, the company founded yeah. in 2009, I think they've released four games, if I'm not mistaken. Bastion, Transistor, Fire, and now Hades... So it's like a 12-year run with only four games. So it's about three years per game development cycle, and that's a long time. Um, so that shows, I think, a lot of discipline and a lot of commitment and just adherence to quality to take so much time to release one game over such a long, you know, over a decade plus. Right. I mean, uh, well, it, Hades was in early access for what uh, two years or something yeah I think just under two years I think December 2018 it went to early access and I remember people talking about it but it wasn't like a huge buzz that I observed but when the game was actually released and exited early access it was like everybody was talking about it right I mean I, I think they deserve you know it's pretty commendable. They deserve respect for, you know, sticking with it. So many games go into early access and, you know, become abandonware or, uh, you know, don't meet all the expectations. And I think that Hades kind of, I mean, we're going to be getting into it, you know, in this podcast. But, like, I mean, you and I both were looking forward to this game and we're still blown away. You know, they really kind of did some new things within the genre and really, you know, really innovated in a lot of ways. Yeah, so I mean, and the conditions of us playing the game were cool too. We, you and I, have raced in a couple games. We talked about this on the podcast before. I think we did this first with FTL, where we both yeah. ha- start a game at the same time and have never played it before, and try to race to be quicker to finish the game than the other person and we included a couple other friends i think there were four of us who were doing this this time and it made it fun made it fun for me i mean i got totally hooked on the game addicted like pretty much right off the bat and that kind of thing happens very rarely for me i mean yeah you you uh it was cool seeing how deep you got into it i don't i mean i think this has probably been the most you have gamed in the last year or so you've been kind of working on other projects and stuff and you dove super deep into this yeah no question i mean easily within the last year um probably even you know three years something like that i mean i was like straight up hooked on this game i mean weekends i play it for like four hours straight i mean it's an awesome game it's easy to get hooked on but i also think us having a friendly competition with it really you know kind of gave it that extra oomph you know it'd be like uh i'd have nights or days or just a lunch or whatever you know where i was like well i better get another run in you know like i gotta (laughs) i gotta finish this game so uh that was cool and i think it was really awesome for us this time to include other people playing with a group of people with that same kind of 
drive, you know, makes it really fun and having a discussion around it and everything was enjoyable. We're talking about maybe doing it again with another game soon. So, yeah, so we've spent eight minutes now just praising the developer, praising the game. Um, for anyone who's not familiar <laughs> with the game, let's just describe kind of what it's about. It's based on Greek mythology. The player controls a character named Zagreus, who's the son of Hades. And the game is about uh, attempting to escape from the underworld to reach Mount Olympus. And it's an isometric uh, action roguelite game. So it's procedurally generated. So every run is different. And it's um, it has a huge degree of variation in terms of what abilities you encounter, what weapons you use, what abilities the weapons have. Um, and so there's just almost an unlimited amount of choice in how you overcome the obstacles in the game. So it's definitely like a just one more run addictive formula, kind of like Slay the Spire. But um, yeah, super fun. Um, and it's kind of similar to uh, Diablo, I think, for people who've played that, at least like the isometric action part of it. It's very fast-paced. Yeah. It's uh, It can be kind of a frantic game. And um, it has just so many amazing details within it from the score to the illustration to the action and mechanics of the game i mean you can praise this game for a long time it does so many things right i think the comparison to diablo is good it's like a fast-paced diablo for sure i mean it's essentially a dungeon crawler to an extent you know with the uh, as you said the procedural generation Every time you play is different, which keeps it fresh and interesting. There is a lot of variance in the abilities for sure. And I absolutely love the way that it encourages playing differently. You know, yeah. uh, it rewards you for mixing it up and trying everything out. So there is no reason for you to just stick to like, oh, this is the method that works. Everything has its use. Everything will benefit you in one way or another. Even on failures, I think more than any other roguelike out there, it uh, it really still feels incredibly rewarding every time you fail. You totally. know? That yeah, it really is, does. I think... And, A lot uh, of people have also described... Many people who are not fans of roguelites seem to really like this game, uh, which is kind of a unique feature because roguelikes are kind of all lumped together, I would say, in general. You know, they feature a lot of death, a lot of repetition, a lot of challenge. And many people are not into that <clears throat> stuff, but a lot of those people seem to be into Hades. So, And what I find interesting is that it seems like just a few small mechanical features of the game have allowed it to overcome the stigma of sort of you know being just for like hardcore players and one of those things is like every time you finish a run you have dialogue with people inside um hades and the dialogue moves forward a relationship with dozens of different characters and so every time you finish a run there's always something to look forward to so even when you die even in failure it still feels like you're receiving rewards all the time as opposed to many roguelikes, which it feels like you're just kind of banging your head on the wall and not making any progress when you repeatedly die. Right. I mean, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that the narrative... I mean, the narrative is pretty awesome. The voice acting is absolutely stellar, I tremendous, think. Which is tremendous. not some not something you see in other roguelikes. And getting to see the characters fleshed out 
and develop and relationships progress over the game that is just you know icing on the cake i mean the gameplay loop enough you know by itself is great but you know having this ongoing relationship getting to know more about characters find new characters and have it ongoing is awesome i wouldn't say i'd put it you know in the same category is you know some of the greatest stories in gaming or anything but for you know in contrast to other roguelikes out there where much of the the narrative is kind of based upon your own experience with the game in the same way that say something like civilization is or something which can have a cool emergent story through gameplay but uh this one isn't so much about that in the way that like say FTL is or something but about the relationships you have with the characters you don't have anything like that happening within the roguelike genre so that was I think one of the most refreshing aspects of the game it feels like an organic method of scripting a story also I know that there are 30 voice characters in the game there's more than 21,000 voice lines in the game and you know, as we've already said, like your relationship with these characters develops. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Nemesis system in Shadow of Mordor, where you, right. you find these like procedurally generated characters, and then you have dialogue with them, and then the outcome of your battle with them influences future, you know, discussions you have with them, and they're kind of always reacting to and responding to your actions. And Hades has the same sort of mechanic where the game feels like. You know, the, it produces very lifelike, believable characters who feel like they're reacting to what you're actually doing. So rather than just going through like a linear progression of story beats, it's like you're playing the game and you're succeeding or failing and the game and its characters are responding to what you're doing. And it makes it feel very lifelike in uh, yeah, a unique it feels, way. It feels like, a, you know, like a living world. You know, like you are a part that is engaging in the underworld, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, like you get killed and you'll come back and uh, what's his name? Hypnos? Yeah, exactly. Uh, will comment. He'll be like, oh, I see that, you know, you, uh, <laughs> you, you got killed by a trap or whatever. You know, you need to be careful when you're going out there. Yeah. Anyways, you know. You know, there things- are 75 <laughs> different lines that Hypnos can say. 75 different reactions to deaths. Wow. So, I mean, all basically wow. all of the different, you know, enemies that you encounter in the game have a different line which Hypnos can say to respond. So, you get killed by one enemy or another and he'll specifically reference that enemy and their move and all this stuff seems kind of like, okay, you just create thousands of lines in a spreadsheet and thousands of voice recordings and then you have it respond to the way that you died but it's strange that put into practice it feels like other games have never done this before and it's a little surprising that this is such a novel thing because it seems kind of obvious now that someone has done this but um it really is a novel experience it is it is i mean even uh little things like there are so many little details like um one of the bosses that you encounter you know um 
you eventually at one point uh, Zagreus decides to give it a name, you know, and oh, then yeah, yeah Larney or Learny. something, and then it'll it, it, Learny, yeah, and then, like I'm gonna call you Learny. I hope that's okay. And then when you defeat it, instead of saying the name of the boss, it says Learny defeated. You know, right. <laughs> like right. little things like that. So it's like the dialogue affects the uh, you know the actual name of the creature and everything and little details like that keep the it game is you know, absurdly fresh. polished i mean the level of polish in this game is like out of control i mean you can tell that they just spent so much time on so many details and maybe most importantly i mean the the voice lines and the narrative are great the illustration done by gen z is amazing of all the different uh, olympians but maybe most importantly, like the action and the gameplay is just so tight and so precise and so satisfying. And it just feels like an inordinate amount of time was put into just making everything feel so satisfying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, talking about how tight the gameplay is, uh, I actually got to a point where I uh, I got frustrated for uh, – I finally – got to my breaking point with the joy cons and zz bought me a uh, switch pro controller about a week ago so yeah that's an interesting point you make because i saw someone locally selling a pro controller for cheap and um didn't really need it but i thought you know this is like such a good bargain let me just check it out and um so I bought it and then connected my Switch to the dock. I haven't used the dock one time in over a year. It's been a year that I've been in the States. I haven't used the dock once. Had it here this whole time. Plugged it in. Yeah. And, man, the Pro Controller is... I haven't played Hades in handheld mode like once. And I've spent like 100 hours on this game. So just yeah. Pro Controller. And, man, the Pro Controller has already, I mean, warranted the purchase easily just with this one game. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have praised the Joy-Cons for their innovation before, but uh, they are not without their faults. You know, they definitely have plenty of faults. So I think uh, it's nice but you having know what? a I mean, I controller. Think, I think in the past, some of the more difficult games I've beaten, you know, I beat Nuclear Throne with the Joy-Cons. I beat Shovel Knight with the Joy-Cons. I mean, I beat a lot of what I would consider difficult games with the Joy-Cons. And now what I'm thinking is, how much easier would those games have been with a Pro Controller? Dude, totally. Like, uh, recently, ZZ got kind of obsessed with Jamestown, and we were playing, uh, we uh, started on the original on the PC and uh, noticed the the remake on the Switch. So we've been going through that. We've almost, we've basically done everything in the game at this point. But man, I wish I had the pro controller for that. Like occasionally, I would experience um, Joy-Con drift, you know. Yep. And that is, you know, absolute hell in a bullet hell game. You know. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't, you need to stop when you need to stop you know yeah so yeah yeah for sure. so but anyways I mean, it's, back to it's a challenging game yeah so just i mean dying over and over and over and over and i think i probably didn't beat the game until the 20th run or something like that which i think is probably about normal but man you spend a lot of time dying 
you kill thousands of enemies in these in this sort of repetitious process and all the while you're collecting all these boons which are special abilities from olympians that you encounter in the game and you're trying different weapons because the game kind of pushes you to be flexible and try different things and apply new strategies to overcome obstacles which makes it really different from something like dead cells where like in dead cells for example i was kind of always looking for the same sort of build and then i would adjust it over time but i basically had a good idea of like what i was looking for every time and with Hades, yeah. I'm just constantly, constantly switching weapons. Like every run is with a different weapon. I mean, in Dead Cells, actually, uh, Richard brought this up in um, in the group chat a while back. He uh, talked about how getting blueprints could actually hurt your run because yeah. then, you know, you you. Uh, like, if you only get the blueprints for the things that you want, you're only going to run into those items on a run. Exactly. So the more you flesh it out, the more variance you have and the more risk you have of RNG hurting your run. Now, and unlike Hades, you know, Dead Cells doesn't reward you for, like, going outside your comfort zone. Right. Now, Dead Cells does, you know, I mean, there are numerous ways that can work for beating it, obviously, but as you said, there is no reward for trying these things. You find what you like, what's fun for you, and what works for you, and you kind of try to stick to that. Uh, I, I like how as you unlock more, you know, weapons in Hades, how, you know, it'll give you a, a bonus for playing each run a different weapon will have a bonus so it encourages you to try a different weapon then above and beyond that you know as you get get later in the later points of the game you can upgrade weapon it gives you control over how you utilize these things like there isn't just one way to use any one thing in the game and it rewards every different thing you do like doing certain things can net you more currency to unlock things just for trying out things as with this type of game also with roguelikes there is a pretty substantial meta game as well there are a lot of upgrades which are persistent there are keepsakes which give you special abilities on runs weapon aspects which change the function of all the weapons um so there's mirror upgrades which make you more strong and give you special abilities so as you're playing even as you're dying you're kind of advancing all of these things forward so you really feel like you're always making progress and it is just continually fun i thought it was interesting to see shane say that hades was his desert island game it's kind of surprised to hear that you know i mean the yeah. desert island game of course is a game if you can only have one game to play indefinitely um, right. Obviously, people are going to choose one that has you know the highest amount of replayability. And for me, maybe for you too, that's Civilization. But it's it says a lot that someone who is as knowledgeable about games as Shane is would pick Hades. But it really does feel like yeah. the kind of game that you can play for hundreds of hours, like pretty easily. I mean, like I said, I played for a hundred hours, and I've been going through the Pact of Punishment, and I finished the game probably with about ten heat. And it goes up to 32 heat with each of the weapons. So, I mean, the amount of time it would take to get to that level is is quite insane. Absolutely. 
I mean, usually when you think about Desert Island games, you would think about things, open world games like Red Dead or, you know, Breath of the Wild or, you know, like uh, games, strategy games like Civil, like, uh, what do you call those? Uh, the four... Four X games, four X games. games. Yeah, games like that, you know, that you could play indefinitely. Stuff like that, you know. uh, I mean, we've put tons of time into games like Dead Cells and stuff. I don't know if I would choose something like that for for a Desert Island game per se, but I think I I can respect Shane's you know opinion on that with Hades, just due to the fact that, like, I mean the dialogue the like all there's so many factors at play here that really make it consistently engaging fresh and novel i mean i had put in you know maybe over five hours or something and then uh, i noticed that there was a you know a flip side to the abilities you unlock in the mirror i commented on the group i don't think anyone else had noticed it right i did not realize that yeah until you made that comment yeah, so there, I mean, there are so many little things that can be tweaked that can completely alter a playthrough. Yeah, absolutely. What's also interesting yeah. about this game, we haven't brought this up yet, is that I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but on consoles, it's only available on Nintendo Switch. Not available I on Xbox. I did know that. Not available on which PlayStation. Which is really weird to me, you know? You don't usually see that. I, it's kind of cool. You know, but uh, I mean, it's a great game for the Switch to uh, just have to pick up wherever. Imagine how much money they're leaving but, um, on the table not having it on PlayStation or Xbox. It's a good, good question to ponder. Who knows? But, I mean, if Who we're knows? talking consoles, this is like one of the best Switch exclusives, like for sure. Absolutely, without a doubt. Also available I, on like, PC. I think it's on Steam. It originally came out on Epic. It was a exclusive there for a while, but I think now it's available on Steam as well. And it's got cross saves, so you can go back and forth between the two, which is pretty dope. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And even with people who have hacked switches like we do, we can still transfer saves back and forth, which is kind of cool. Apparently, oh, the, we can. Sa- How do we do that? Just copy a file. Just um, you can use a a homebrew app, I think Edison or Checkpoint, either one of those will work. And you can just take the save file from Switch and just transfer it over to PC or vice versa. Oh, that is really cool. I've been uh I've been wondering if I could do that uh with Stardew Valley. You can actually, yeah. I, I looked into that specifically also because I want to do the same thing. I have um my girlfriend's been playing a lot of Stardew recently and she made a Stardew group, so we got like friends who are talking about Stardew every day now. And I was thinking about checking it out, but on my Switch, currently, I just have her farm, which she spent like 120 hours on, and then I got my farm on my Switch, which is like pathetic. So, I mean, I spent, <laughs> I played the whole game on Steam, you know, so I was thinking of transferring yeah. my Steam save on the Switch, but you can do that. I, I mean, for me, I uh, I have a few people I kind of would like to try multiplayer with, and, um, you know, I it's not going to be easy for me to do as easy for me to do that on my switch without online. So yeah. I kind of wanted to jump over to PC and pick up. I didn't want to, you know, to start over again. I've got, this is my farthest run 
on Stardew I've had with maybe like a hundred hours I got or whatever when I had that teaching job that had no actual lessons so I just played Switch on the couch all day every day. You know, actually <laughs> though, you I, I'm not sure if multiplayer will work for you in that game because there is no cross save like legitimately, you know, I mean if you have like an unhacked switch you can't transfer saves, you can only do that with a hack switch. So anyway. Uh but you were saying you could transfer it to the PC so I could transfer my save to the PC, pick up where I left off, set up the uh the cabin or whatever you need and invite a friend to my PC farm that I had yeah, started. That might on work. The that might work. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. But that's that's cool. I uh, I actually was thinking I wanted to maybe pick up Hades on the PC. I've been curious uh, about one thing since playing it. Maybe you could shed some light about if you've noticed this or not. I felt like uh, sometimes with certain things, the uh, the resolution wasn't great. Like when you die and there's that spray of blood or whatever, or when you kill an uh, a boss and there's that spray of blood you know and that slow motion thing or whatever and it's got that like 3d blood flourish or whatever i felt like a few of the graphical flourishes in the game were impacted by low resolution i don't know if it was just on the switch or if it's just like the art style they're using or i never noticed I'm that just tripping tripping face i did notice some slowdown in like really crowded rooms yeah i mean like when uh once you i didn't notice any slowdown until i started playing on um you know i had beaten the game and i was messing around with the uh the packs or whatever and playing on higher heats some of which could lead to you know more enemies being on screen and stuff at that point in time it you know or like let's say you're playing on a higher heat and then you go for one of the chaos boons that makes even more enemies spawn, then it would occasionally have a little bit slowed down. Nothing that like really impacted my enjoyment of it. Yeah, but, me neither. You know, the slowdown I experienced was like so minor. I mean, not really an issue. It's noticeable, but it's very brief and basically just not a big deal. However, to not include any spoilers here, I did notice that when you defeat the final boss and then you go to that place which i know you're thinking of i did notice some like (laughs) choppiness like running through that place like every time like every single run really yeah um i don't think i noticed any there that's interesting yeah also on the final the final stage that you go to like running around that main area there was some choppiness there too so, I mean, some very minor, like, performance issues on Switch, I'd say, but really not a big deal. Yeah. Also, um, you know, even after you've unlocked most of the things that you can get, it's still, you know, with uh, that shop at the beginning allows you to trade in other currencies you're not using to get other things and buy, like, fun aesthetic things to kind of decorate your uh, your room or the the, the lobby of the underworld or whatever which is is cool and uh, i never experienced any slowdown in any of those areas though the late end end game areas or um so if it just was from enemies primarily interesting 
So, well, before yeah. we wrap this up, I wanted to see if you have your favorite weapons, favorite boons, any strategies that you've used a lot to great effect for anybody who's playing this and is maybe struggling to finish it or wants to know how to start. What are your favorite strategies? Uh, yeah, sure. So I, um, I personally really like uh, the the boons. I like all of Poseidon's boons. You know, the lightning stuff. That stuff's good. But I really Poseidon like is um, the, um, Poseidon is water, right? Zeus. Is oh, lightning. I mean, um, sorry, sorry, Zeus. I like all of Zeus's. I also like Poseidon. So the knockback. The knockback yeah. things are good because you can get extra damage from knocking them back or hit them out of range from damaging you. Uh, the lightning effects are good. And the uh, um, uh, Dionysus, um, uh, I, I go for either Dionysus or um, Ares for uh, damage over time. You know, with the, uh, the drunk thing or whatever the hangover or yeah, the doom hangover. if you if you get the if you get those high enough they can do like a substantial amount of damage over time at which point you can like back away and uh there have been a couple of very unique case situations that have made a couple things really awesome like uh i got the uh charm ability which I really did not like. Um, what's her name? Uh, uh, the love girl. Aphrodite. I'm blanking. Aphrodite. No, Aphrodite's the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So I didn't like Aphrodite from the get go. I just, you know, had no interest in making enemies weak because my goal was to avoid getting hit. You know, do as much damage and kill them, or get out of there if they weren't dead. You know, mm -hmm. but she has an ability that charms them, and I was able to get through the um, the boss battle with um, the two guys together. Um, I'm blanking on their names, but Theseus and I was someone. able. Yeah, so I was able to get through the whole battle without taking any damage and having them fight each other by charming, switching back and forth who was charmed. Uh -huh. And that was really cool. Uh, yeah, I think that was one of my more fun, quirky things. about. And that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't, you know, it wasn't rewarding me for trying things. I was trying to fulfill one of the prophecies of fate or whatever tried that ability discovered that by mistake yeah i think my favorite weapon is the uh gun which is called the uh, adamant rail and uh it's a ranged weapon modeled after a repeating rifle um i think it was the last weapon that you unlock and um i really like the range weapons i like the bow and the uh and the gun best so those are the ones that i've had the most successful runs with, I think. Um, there are a couple boons which I'm looking for, like on every run, if I can get them. Uh, the first one is Hermes uh, Greatest Reflex, which gives you additional dashes. I find that right. having the ability to dash a lot is like really critical in this game, and I'm just basically dashing like all the time, especially once you get into the pack of punishment and you're running against the clock. Like having additional dash abilities beyond the two 
is really important. So I'm always looking for Hermes, like as soon as possible to try to get greatest reflex. Also, I like Zeus a lot, especially electric shot, which turns your cast into a burst of chain lightning and it bounces between yeah, foes when you upgrade it. Yeah, really good. Um, if you have I that like, and jolted. I like getting the um, the call ability. This is like an ability where you can use the trigger to summon a Olympian to help you. <laughs> and my favorite one of right. those is Ares. It's called Ares Aid. And your call turns you into an impervious blade rift. So you basically yeah. turn into it, and then you can just like slice up you know, any boss which is an awesome ability to have. And the last one which came to mind was uh, Artemis Support Fire, which uh, after you hit anybody with an attack or a cast or a special, it fires a Seeking Arrow. So oh, as yeah, you're like, dashing cool. around and hitting people, like these arrows are just like flying all over the place. The game can get very chaotic like at the higher levels when you have a lot of different abilities. I mean, you're like hitting people and stuff's flying around, and you're dashing and stuff's flying around, and it just turns into a chaotic environment like in the late game sometimes which is yeah. fun and challenging to like keep on <laughs> keep track of i guess um, yeah. so but those are my favorite boons which i'm always looking for one big resource for me is, which i recommend anybody who wants to learn more about the game to check out is the subreddit for Hades which is at reddit.com uh, r slash Hades the game and there's a really cool community right. hundreds of thousands of people there and a lot of fan art <laughs> and like cosplay and stuff but also a lot of like useful strategies in the game for sure hey uh commenting real quick on the uh the hermes thing first of all yeah you're uh you're right that totally slipped my mind i don't even think about hermes i just go for him the extra dashes are critical i think but yeah noting on the dashes it's really great when you have, like, if you can get up to, like, five dashes or whatever, you can be dashing constantly, and then you can get boons from various, yeah. you know... Like, dashes do damage, or dashes make you impervious. Yeah. Like, Ares has one that, I think, when you dash, you leave a blade rift there. So it's, like, right. doing... And then if you get the thing that makes the blade rift... Uh, home in on enemies you know you can just be dashing around and not even have to worry about attacking enemies just avoiding damage by uh, dodging that's pretty dope one thing i did notice though you can uh you can get the uh what do you call them the uh keepsakes you can get keepsakes to uh make the uh the next boon you encounter from any one of the gods and make it increased in rarity. I did notice, though, with one exception, you can't do that with Hermes. I think that's the Nyx keepsake. I use that a lot. Uh, what do you mean the Nyx keepsake? It, it automatic, yeah, the Nyx keepsake. It automatically upgrades, I think, the rarity or the level of your boons that you collect. Yeah, but there's not one that, like, if you start out with Poseidon's keepsake or whatever, the first boon you encounter is Poseidon you know so it's like i would want to use a keepsake like that to make sure i start out the game with hermes and then i can have i can re-roll to get those extra dashes if i want and have a increased rarity by getting that so i get as many dashes as possible but there is no boon that guarantees i mean a keepsake that guarantees the next boon you get is from hermes 
Oh He's yeah. The only well, personally, omission. I never, I never use those keepsakes anyway. Like the keepsake that like guarantees, you know, next time you get Zeus or whatever. Personally, it's just not, not ones that I've used. I've just been, you know, I, I often go with the one, the upgrade rarity of boons. But I mean, there's so many different ways to do it. You know, I've upgraded probably half of the keepsakes to max level. One quick question for you before we wrap this up: Have you gotten into companions much? Companions. Yeah, so on the keepsake screen, the bottom row there is companions, and you can use the oh. the other trigger button. One trigger button is for call, and the other one is for the companion. And you can summon companions who like fight companions with you. Yet. Yeah, so I you guess I have to work on that. You get like a good relationship with certain characters, and then they'll give you companions. Cool, cool. I'll work on that. I'm gonna have to get some more runs in. I'm still working on getting the true ending. I think I have maybe one more completed run. Oh, it's awesome. Get it's it. really cool, so, man. You'll enjoy it. Cool, cool. All right, cool. great. Well, thanks so, for uh, on that recording note, this podcast with me. Uh, we hope that uh, people enjoyed listening to this. And if you're not enjoying Hades, you should be. You can check it out on Steam or Epic or on Nintendo Switch. Well, I wanted to ask you real quick. Are you playing anything else? Um, let's see. I finished a couple games recently, a couple short games. The last one was Parappa the Rapper. Dope. So yeah, that yeah, was on sale that to me. on uh, PlayStation Four. I bought that. I mean, what what an awesome like nostalgic game. Just reminds me of being like for sure, you know, fifteen years old whenever that came out. And um, yeah. I had been wanting to get the remaster for a long time, and I had never finished the game until this week. So crazy, you know. I'm so happy that cool. they remastered that. Like of all games to remaster, Pie Rapper the Rapper, it just seems like such a bizarre choice. But yeah. I had to purchase that. Um and so yeah, finished that. I really enjoyed it. Um Dope. I'm kind I'll of, have to give it a shot. I'm ten hours into Final Fantasy Seven remake. It's a bit of a slog, you know. It's so long and there's so much dialogue, but anyway gonna try to finish that it's not for everyone well i uh i just finished a game that i cannot recommend highly enough you absolutely have to check it out it's on uh it is on switch as well as pc it may be on other platforms and it's one of the uh most unique games i've played in a while it is very weird very interesting and it definitely won't be for everyone but i loved it it's called paradise killer have you heard of it um i think i might have heard it mentioned i don't know anything about it so it's uh let's see the best way i can describe it is a vaporwave open world detective game cool yeah it's got a great aesthetic great soundtrack very unique characters uh really cool world um it's just kind of kind of a trip to play and was an immediate favorite of mine i absolutely adore it and cannot praise it highly enough more people need to play it's not too long either i like basically did everything in the game in about 15 hours definitely less than 20 and what's interesting is it's similar to uh, breath of the wild and once you kind of get into the main game you can go to the end game from the get-go like you can decide i've got enough right now i'm gonna solve this mystery 
now let's finish the game or you can keep going and you know get more get more information if you want to kind of strengthen your case so and did you actually cool. buy this on switch or no you bought it on I uh, actually, steam i bought it on steam as soon as it launched i just saw it it looked cool it wasn't too expensive and I was like, you know what, fuck it, it looks cool, it's right up my alley, I'm going to give it a shot, and I got, like, obsessed with it. No kidding, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Cool, I'll check so it out. So I think Thanks you'll like it, you should check it out, for yeah, sure. Yeah, this seems totally like the type of thing that I would like. Quirky, weird, yeah. left field, um, independent, original, like, those are the things I'm looking for, usually. I don't play a lot of AAA games, so, um, yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake is, like, not the type of thing I'd normally play, but um, just checking it out because it was free, and you know I love Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, feel ya, feel ya. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening. You can check out other episodes of our podcast on our website at chinagaming.org, and we'll catch you next time. Over and out.